Welcome to the Football by Football Podcast. And welcome back to the Football by Football Podcast. This is Matt Chatham. This is In the Game. I'm joined by Brady Papinga out there in L.A. It's an early day for Brady, and we got a, ourselves a little schedule here. We got 30 minutes with him on the line, so we are going to dive right into it. Brady, first thing I wanted to bring up as a topic, something we could chat about a little bit, is something that's been bothering me quite a bit throughout this last week. And in last week's show, Brady Quinn and I got into this pretty deep about this new Josh Brown situation, about how the Giants and John Mara handled it, how the league invariably fumbled it after that. Uh, we didn't have you on the line. I'm just curious now that a week of news has passed, the, the guy was put on the exempt list, released, all those things. His career's probably over. Uh, just curious, sort of your knee-jerk reaction to all that's gone down there. It's just a mind-boggling moment here because in the beginning you should have had the guy go in line with the first policy or the policy that has been established what, a couple of years ago with Ray Rice that it's like your first offense against domestic violence. It's an automatic boom, six games without any questions asked. Right? Well, wrong. Apparently no because they gave him <laughs> one game. And then all of a sudden as more information seeped out, it still was almost like a retraction and defending why they gave him one game. I don't understand it. It's a mystery. It makes no sense. But, hey, it's becoming the reality of the dealings of the NFL front offices. And, yes, they're still not willing to give any explanation behind what they're doing. And it's it's a weird deal because even in the beginning with Ray Rice, it's almost like they do something and then let's wait and see what happens and how the public reacts. And if they give us a pass, then we'll just keep being ourselves and just doing whatever we want to do. But if they have this great backlash, uh oh, okay, now we'll we'll start. (laughs) Okay, we'll put them on the exempt list. What do you want to do? You know, it doesn't make any sense. It would be this nice, you know, integrity-wise from the very beginning. When you're going to say you're going to do something, like ask this whole Ray Rice debacle, just do it. Just follow through with it. It's not hard because they're in the same. This is that's funny thing. They're in the same position now they would have been a couple months ago, except now they're starting to look like a bunch of idiots with eggs all over their face. So save yourself from being perceived as idiots and save yourself from getting eggs thrown all over your face. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, one of the things that's really drove me nuts about this is, and I would say this is a thread, and I'm not putting words in your mouth, this is my personal opinion, but I've been really upset, I think, over this these last couple of years of being an analyst for NFL stuff of how there's this seed of dishonesty that kind of goes along with almost everything we do. It's like we say stuff, we do ad campaigns. It's almost like we're trying to convince fans of things that really aren't happening. And I think that's in part why I wanted to do football by football to give a little better reflection of what really goes on. The realness, it's great. Uh, 99% of it, but I feel like it's just a lie. I mean, like the thing, okay. And we're going to play this ad right now here for fans. This is the no, uh, the no more campaign. Y'all were very familiar with it a couple of years ago, this, you know, all these athletes dressed in black t-shirts on a white background saying something so sincere about no more, no more. We'll play the ad for you right now. I think the most uh, stark uh, contrast is the reaction that actually comes from some of the people in that video. Now that the Josh Brown information has come out. No more boys will be boys. No more. What's the big deal? No more. It's just the way he is. No more. He just has a temper. No more. But he's such a nice guy. No more, but he has such a bright future. No more. Not my problem. No more. I'll say something next time. No more. Why didn't she tell anyone? No more. Why doesn't she just leak? No more. I'm sure they'll work it out. No more. She seems fine to me. No more. What was she wearing? No more. She was drunk. No more. He was drunk. No more. She was asking for it. 
No more, she never said no. No more, not in this family. No more, not on this team. No more, we don't talk about that. No more bystanding. No more ignorance. No more excuses. No more. So now what, what is most striking in that particular ad is the guy who opens and closes the ad is Eli Manning. And Eli Manning's statements in, in regards to this Josh Brown stuff uh, was not like what he said in the ad. And I think that's probably the biggest problem we now have. He says right there, you support your teammates, but also support the decision of the organization. I don't know what went on behind the scenes, he says. All I can do is support my teammates and support the organization. Sounds to me like it violates several of the things mentioned in the commercial. No more, we don't talk about that. No more bystanding. No more, I'll say something next time. I mean, it's really all three of those things. Uh, you had the opportunity. This is it. No more, right? Uh, and you're just going to balk and say, leave it to the organization. I'm not going to say anything about domestic violence. In other words, the commercial was complete BS. Uh, we have players helping the league out to try to spread a message of concern. Uh, but then when it comes down to it, it's not cutting time. It actually is in your backyard. And guys say, you know, I'm just going to support the team. I'll support my, my, my teammates, support the organization. It doesn't bother me. Well, that is in stark contrast to what you're saying in this ad. And I'll tell you why. My personal opinion, and we'll get yours, Brady. My personal opinion as to why guys uh, clam up in these moments is a problem that is deep-seated. It's decades old. It, it does not allow you to be real and to be honest. It's because we don't have guaranteed contracts. That, that's my view. My view is you can't be honest about anything because you could get cut. <laughs> and I think I go back to arguments I used to have with Gene Upshaw way back in the day in our, in our PA meetings. And, you know, they would just say flat out, you're never going to get that. You know, don't ask for guaranteed contracts. I'm saying, dude, there's four major sports. Three of them have one don't. Why doesn't ours? It doesn't make sense. Uh, you know, a contract that's not a guaranteed isn't a contract. I mean, it's just a one-sided document. And I, I think uh, we go to this, and we can talk about this in relations to, to domestic violence. We can talk about it in relations to a number of issues that league stuff faces. But I think the biggest issue when you want players to be honest, when you want them to call out your teammate, you have. I think in part why guys don't is fear of, re of repercussions. You don't want to say, hey, man, I love John Mara. He's been good to me. He's been great to my family. I have employment here. But let's be honest, they blew this, right? He knew he had uh, the, the divorce documents that were easily able to be attained that told you he'd abused the guy. And you have uh, you know, private information that this guy did something that warrants more than six. So the fact that it wasn't released until later, it's okay to say, hey, I love John Mara. I actually love John Brown as well, or Josh Brown as well. But it's deplorable what he did, and you shouldn't be in the league if you've done that, at least not until you've served a suspension that's that, – that, you know, it's right size. And for John Mara, man, we've made all these statements two years ago. You screwed up. But now I get it why, you know, you in a lot of employment situations other than football, you would never, you know, critique your 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 boss. But I think in other sports, they have the ability to do that. You hear Kobe Bryant, you know, talking a little shit about the ownership because they haven't built the team the way he wants it. But you know why? Because they can't cut him. You know, he's got a guaranteed contract. And I really think that's at the heart of everything that goes on here. Hey, you want guys to say no more, no more, no more, and give their little impassioned speech for some marketing company and stare into the camera and try to get people to believe them. Well, here it is. And why didn't you? 
because if you really say what you're thinking, you're going to get fined by the league. You're going to cause problems for yourself in your own job. Uh, you might lose a friend. You have, actually have a ton of respect for Josh Brown. You like the guy, helps at your charity. You've eaten dinner at his house. You love him in the locker room, but you don't know this part, this little private part about his life. And so you say, you know, I like 90% of this dude. So even though that is disgusting uh, and I don't stand for it, I'm not going to say anything. You know, and, that, and that's the problem. I think it all comes back to contracts. Am I crazy? What, what do you think, Brady? Oh, I'm with you. You know, when I was the Green Bay Packers, they would have, just like any team, you'd have your exit interviews. And one interesting thing that came up in one of my exit interviews is Mike McCarthy was talking to me, and he, he like, pulled all of the uh, the staffs, you know, like the training staff to sort of give an assessment on a player and how he interacted with the training staff. He pulled the PR people and how their interviews went and to see if you could be potentially a source for leaked information or a mole or something like that. And, uh, and I'm sitting there talking to McCarthy. And I was always upfront and honest with my assessments of our team of these kinds of situations. You know, people would come up and talk politics with me. And then I always preface it by saying, you seem like the only guy that's willing to go this round, so let's go there. And McCarthy told me that it was a consensus amongst the PR people that I could potentially be a source for giving out inside information to media oh, publications. I'm like, oh, sweet, man. And I was like, how about that? That's a good reputation to carry for me. And that's, right. and to your point, it hit, them, it hit me right there. They think about that stuff. Yeah. I mean, they go and pull the PR people because they're so paranoid about it. And, yeah, if you say something that's controversial, at least uh, uh, creates enough of a distraction, and we all know that distraction and how big it is, is a fun, it affects your status of the team anyway has to be a function of your productivity and your talent because just like we saw with Odell Beckham, you know, if you're phenomenally talented and you're a game changer like he is, okay, you can make a huge distraction and they'll, 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 they'll put up with it. Whereas, if, you know, you're a special teamer, <laughs> you're going to get yeah. cut next second, you know, to, to, to start contrast. And so it is something that no question is on the minds of the teams, the head coaches, the front offices. And then at the same time, it's on the players. Because that it was a wake-up call to me. Because I, I, I guess you could say I was sort of recklessly doing that. Because I never thought, like, they would actually, you know, take honesty and use it against me. But in that moment, I was like, oh, my gosh, i got to be a lot more measured with what I said. Because if I right. say something that immediately they think is, you know, not in line with what they want me to say, then, yeah, they may just cut me. And you're right. We don't have guaranteed contracts. You just got that signing bonus. And uh, it was, a, it was an eye-opening experience, so it does confirm what you're saying. I'm, I'm on par with that in terms of what Eli Manning was saying, and I don't want to come down the road of saying Eli's uh, characters should be in question either because you got to understand they're all reading cards too, by the way. And that's <laughs> right, right. It's not like it was just some – Oh, I know. Exactly. About this. this is, you know, cards, whereas now you're – you know, Eli's situation, here you are flying uh, – or excuse me, I'm thinking somebody else. Uh, but, you know, they're getting ready for a game. And you yeah. got that sort of weighing on your mind. All of a sudden, you got to go deal with the media, and, and I'm sure the, the PR people have talked to him about it, saying, "Hey, we just want to make sure this is as little of a distraction as possible." So try to address it while at the same time nipping it in the bud. And these are the kind of answers you get with guys. You know, you're going to yeah. get these answers. They really don't know what to say, but you're right. The underlying theme is, I don't want to say anything that's going to ultimately hurt my status with the team. Right, and, and but see, I think the thing that to me is so intriguing is that that particular ad campaign if you go through the about 12 or 15 answers and there's a couple versions of the commercial as well uh but they particularly uh, address some of these more natural and, and common reactions that people have when it comes down like hey I, you know no more because i've got to do my job you know no more because uh 
we were drunk, you know, the whole thing. But the, the, they go through the litany of excuses that people use, and you're using them, I'm using them now because we understand there are chains. There are reasons you can't, you know. And this whole yeah. ad campaign was saying, okay, enough of that. Uh, let's get to the bottom of what really counts. And the reality is two years later, nah, they're still there. And I'm saying, I yeah. guess my, my big takeaway to all of this, and it, it's just my own personal opinion, is we're going to go through this uh, – Goodell is going to say some nonsense. Mara is going to do some more nonsense. Uh, it, it's they're pro- the team is probably not going to be uh, punished in any way, which is me is asinine because they withheld that information. They knew he'd done more. Uh, they just hadn't completed the investigation, but they allowed the guy to play. And, and again, in a game where field goals matter so much, and you've got a pretty high end kicker there, you know, if you look at any contest and you you won by two points and there were made kicks in there how is that not game integrity, <laughs> you know, because yeah. it's six versus one. I mean, that, that that's where this whole idea of Goodell introducing game integrity having to do with, you know, PSI and stuff like that. No, no. The biggest thing is who doesn't. Yeah, I'm not going to do the whole show on that. But the whole the point is oh, no, the biggest thing. He opens a, he, but you're right. He just opens the whole Pandora box. Yeah. That's what because, he's doing. He just opens exactly. it and it has no end. Exactly. Because, and to be honest, at the end of the day, the thing that will affect wins and losses more is who gets to play. <laughs> Your best players play, you're gonna, it's way, way more effect than all that other stuff. But uh, if you do not guarantee contracts, we're going to go through this cycle uh, where there'll be some contrition. It'll be terrible because it'll be Goodell one reading the card. It won't be believable. He'll get hammered by journalists. He'll get hammered by, you know, people all over the country. But nothing will change because it, when this comes up again, the, you know, it's – and I'm not trying to put a team under the bus here, but say it happens to the – I'm just throwing a dart at the, at, the, at the map. The Minnesota Vikings. So the Minnesota Vikings have some guy that does something two years from now, and it, they got to come up in front, and they're going to ask that team's – quarterback or that team's starting middle linebacker or whatever to make a statement on this their words are going to sound awfully like what Eli said if the contracts aren't guaranteed otherwise he doesn't have license to speak freely and that and that's what will change if if not this is you can talk to as many consultants you want to you can do ad campaigns you can write columns you can do whatever but if they don't have license to be honest about what they think is wrong uh, about up above them and people around them won't change. All right. So here we got to move on to the next one because I know we have you on short time. So next thing I wanted to go kind of dovetails on this idea of integrity of the games themselves because it's sort of the uh you know the the availability of players. I think that's that's a huge story uh in any of these suspensions because you know Goodell, this is the whole thing ten years ago. He wanted to be the sheriff, he wanted to be the the decider who plays and doesn't play. And we have this issue which popped up with an ESPN column and people started talking about it, uh, at least through social feed last week. And I, I became a little more aware of it. I kind of forgot about the story, to be honest. Akeem Tlaib, one of the better corners in the NFL, doing a great job out there in defense or out there in Denver as, as a good cover corner. Him and Chris Harris is, you know, one of the nastiest combinations you'll find. Uh, and he shot himself in the leg. It, you know, it's an old story from the offseason, shot himself out in front of a, out of a, 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 of a strip club. And again, I'm not, I'm not, bringing him up to try to get him suspended at all i'm trying to do this more to more of a conversation in relation to all the other guys you know the other 1600 kind of thing right it's like because i think this is where the real confusion is and it it, it's very similar to the josh brown thing the denver police on october 6th and you can go look at the espn has an article on it uh this is the first week of october We're, we're here almost in november the, the the denver police has already concluded or i'm sorry the dallas police has already concluded that he shot himself 
that his statements to police weren't honest, da 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 right? Years ago, uh, Plaxico Burris was, was suspended for four games uh, by the team, actually, initially, not by the league, and definitely so by the league after. And the reason he was suspended uh, by the league portion was because he violated uh, a, a law there in New York. New York's, New York's gun laws are entirely different than, than Texas's. But I, I guess the point I'm trying to get here is, is should a player be suspended uh, because of differences of laws in states. And, and that's that's kind of back to the weed question where it's like, I thought the NFL stance was, hey, man, we stand against, you know, we like it, love it or, or not. It, whether or not their stance on that is right. That was their thing. The, 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 the difference in legality state to state won't matter. We have a standard. Um, the thing with Burris, he misses four games. He goes away to prison for 20 months, all because of really, really strict laws in New York. But Tlaib, there's not going to be charges pressed. So him shooting himself in a public place, drunk as he as he mentioned, doesn't matter. And the corner, you know, the Broncos get to keep their great corner. And the Giants years ago, they don't get to keep their great wide receiver. Does that make sense to you as a player if you're in the locker room trying to figure out whether or not a guy you know that is going to be playing again, like San Diego? I'm one of the wide receivers this week, and I'm saying, why is this guy out here across from me? Uh, why do the rules change sort of case to case in this league? Yeah, I mean, it does, because it's all about how is the public perception, how is the backlash. With the key to leave, they're able to keep that thing under wraps so much that it didn't create such a public backlash to where the organization felt like, hey, we got to go out and we got to send a message to everybody that, hey, we know how to handle our players and we're going to hold them accountable. We're going to keep them disciplined. I mean, this is like inside information, it seems like, from a key to leave that's going on. It's like, what? You know, I don't, I don't see right. the same kind of public backlash. Right. And so just- there's not this you know, knee-jerk reaction or there's mechanisms from the team to say, hey, we got to, you know, respond to that public backlash so that we, we don't look like we don't know what we're doing with uh, <laughs> player discipline. So I, I can see it's a case-to-case kind of thing, but at the same time I can see where, you know, you got precedent before. But I would almost think if they did, like in my – just looking at it here, you know, from my perspective as I've just – you've put some more information on it than I've already heard, but I know he shot himself and all that kind of stuff. I didn't really – Put him in the same. I didn't even put him in the same category as Plaxico Burris because Plaxico's was so public and so out on the the main news cycle that you almost knew everything. And it would seem like, you know, it was a far bigger deal than this one with the key to leave. Although it's the same thing, but then at the same time, it's it's a situation where you're looking at it like, okay, I mean, I don't I don't look at it as like it's a big deal. <laughs> it's just right. because, like I said, it wasn't on the news cycle. And so I think that's what's driving this decision-making here. And, and I would almost be surprised, like, if all of a sudden they're like, oh, we suspended a key to lead for four games. Because of my reaction to it, I would almost be like, why are they doing that? You know, it doesn't seem <laughs> fair. You know what I'm saying? That's, and so I think that's what's driving it right now is just the public response to it. It's just and, he's the, and him and the Broncos did a nice job of keeping it under wraps. But you mentioned it, too. New York is a very different place. Texas is a very different place than Colorado. And so that uh, a surrounding, you know, your surrounding area, the kind of attention you get, that drives a lot of the decision-making more than just the actual, you know, thing that happened. Yeah, and for me, that's sort of where the confusion lies. It's like in one particular issue, weed being one, we don't care that there's a different state-to-state. We have a league standard, right? And I probably actually, as a, as a li- more libertarian kind of minded guy, at least politically and, and in that part of my life, and we're not doing politics here on the show, but I would just say simply that <laughs> I would probably err personally more towards Texas gun laws than New York gun laws, right? So I would, yeah, yeah I would probably say that 
in the in the Burris situation, it's sort of a public endangerment thing, and that isn't actually what he got popped on. I mean, I would think if you were the league and you wanted to go down on a guy, I would say, hey, independent of particular state laws, we just don't want our guys uh, carelessly, you know, whether drinking, shooting off guns in public places, that makes us all look bad, suspension or whatever. And that in that regard, you could you could do this in either state. It wouldn't matter in any state in the union, right? But and, I think you said the key thing right there, Matt. It doesn't make us look bad. Yeah, now, right, right, first, right, right. That made him look bad. Right. But they're like, oh, we got to really, you know, come hard, come down hard on this guy. Whereas if Keith Lee, there wasn't enough going on with it to make anybody look anyway. So, you know, they didn't yeah. have to come down on him hard. And that, yeah, I think, I think that's really what drives their, their, their decision, decision making, behind which, again, to me isn't integrity yeah but so the reason I, I sort of point that out is is you know it matters who plays right and I wish there was it feels like because the NFL has been so insistent on making themselves out to sort of rules wranglers that's their whole thing that's been Goodell's deal more game rules more more league rules uh, you know 100 new ways to to take a dollar you know that kind of thing or to, to to take you off the field that's been their shtick you know creating new ways to to cut down on celebrations it's just that's their thing we've created new ways to take you off and that's what we want to be known for they don't say it that way but i mean that's been the shtick it's just in these moments like this where it's like wow um the reason plaxico got taken off is because he actually didn't have a license to carry and it was his, it was the absence of license to carry that you were that you suspended him for because that's really the only difference between there in Texas the public endangerment thing would be the same on both cases in a public place shoot yourself drunk whatever right uh, but it really looks like here it's they're they're using the state uh, differences as cover which is it was crazy and, and and I would give credit I mean as much as we're hammering the Giants now for their inactivity on the Josh Brown stuff back when the Plaxico stuff happened they're the ones that suspended him immediately uh, he was injured anyway so I think it maybe maybe made the call a little easier for him but he injured himself with a shot and then he uh, they suspended him for the rest of the four games which was basically the rest of the year and then he had to go into the the, the gun crime thing so I think just Big point, big takeaway. If you're a player, you have to be confused. I mean, if you're a player in Kansas City and this happens to you, you're you're, you're not looking to the league. You're looking to state law, I guess. <laughs> you know, or if you're a player in Oakland, it's like, oh crap. Well, what's the law here? Am I gonna miss four games or zero? You know, and then if you play as another player in that division, well, oh shoot, they get to keep their good player. Why? Because of our state law. I mean, that, that that was supposed to be the superseding thing. Was the NFL was this big ethic above it all, and they're not. I mean, it just it appears in this particular example of hypocrisy, they are not. Uh, so, last last sort of idea I wanted to touch on here, and this is uh, something that uh, I'm more curious because I know my own experience, and I know it in, in three different places, and I know you played in a few different places yourself. Uh, there was this article on the Monday Morning Quarterback, uh, MMQB. I hope I got that right, MMQB. Um, anyway, they, they, the, the article itself was solid. There was nothing wrong with it. It was this Robert, Robert Klemko is his name, K-L-E-M-K-O. Uh, he writes for the MMQB. Anyway, he, the article was, was pretty straightforward. I didn't think there was anything in the article that was terribly uh, you know, misleading, but the big headline was that uh, – well, the, the article itself was about the Denver Broncos employing staff that that contribute to uh, researching and studying player tells, like things that guys do on tape or in game that you can pick up through the broadcast and then giving it to players uh, so that, you know, you can have that information going into the game. And his article is actually pretty straightforward. I mean, if you actually read it text to text, it, it is what it says. And he, he goes through it and says, 
that it's it the Broncos aren't the only ones doing it so there's select few teams in the league that do and again he's I'd say if there were any cr- criticism of him it's it's you probably should research and find out where those other places are because in my view it, it's my experience anyway it's pretty common but the 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 confusing part is the MMQB retweets this out uh he sends out a big you know they've got a big audience uh with the headline that nothing illegal let me get, let me get it exactly straight here so I don't I don't do them disjustice yeah, yeah. So, but their their retweet was that it was, and you know maybe it's just a play for clicks. But I think it's important here on a player show that we kind of go through this and, and talk about what what really goes on, uh, and and not make it into something that it's not. So it says that the headline here is the Broncos have a secret advantage on the rest of the NFL, and it's perfectly <laughs> legal. <laughs> like secret advantage? What are you talking about? And it's perfectly legal, as if there were a question of its legality. So here's what it is. And uh, this has been Pepper Johnson, my old linebacker coach, uh, actually wrote a book years ago. And there was a section in there, a portion in there, where he talked about us doing this. I did this. I was the guy that did ours. Uh, other team that I, you know, I've been with the Rams shortly as a as a rookie. Uh, and then with the Patriots and Jets, and we, we at every place I was at, we did this. We had a guy, uh, a lot of times there's a quality control guys on either side of the ball that were responsible for di- going and putting together uh, clip decks, you know, basically put together intercuts, you know, a 10 or 12 or 15 play deck, and you try to come up with two or three or four things that we can really rely upon that goes outside the play tendencies. So play tendencies, you can filter that through a spreadsheet. You can say, hey, on third and six, that. 75% of the time they do this and this personnel group or whatever, right? But this stuff's different. This is, hey, uh, whenever their offensive guard aligns three feet from center, uh, look out for this because he usually aligns two feet, right? Or, or when this guy changes his stance this way in this personnel group, it means something, you know? And those are the kind of things you mm-hmm. review that, you know, we would have the grunts, you know, the, the guys that were – Josh McDaniels actually did this and used to be really good at this when he was just a hold-the-cards guy, like it just entered the league – kind of dude uh, and so a lot of the guys that have worked their way up through the system get involved in this it's a great way to learn how to study other teams you know what what tips and tendencies the players give off more than just the full system itself but i i learned mine through pepper and pepper was one who really helped me sort of hone in on that when i was early with the patriots and then this is what he wrote about in the book it was they called it the chatter report sort of jokingly at me because on fridays i would get up and present in front of the entire defense i did that in new york and and with the Patriots, where I'd spend my time during the week, and then we would all exchange notes. You know, I'd go to the linebackers and that, that played inside. I didn't then and say, hey, here's what you're getting from your guard splits, and here's what you're getting from guys that will switch hands and their depth and, uh, you know, quarterback, like, you know, little little things by where their armholes are cut for guys you want to grab, you know, for, for blocking and mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, the way they motion, we had one of the more infamous ones from years ago was Jay Reimersma was a former quarterback from Michigan that was a, a good tight end for the Bills, played 10 years or whatever. Uh, Jay was uh, had a real bad habit that he probably wasn't aware of, but that we became aware of I, you know, from my own film study, that this dude would – he was the motion guy. He was off the ball guy quite a bit. And when he would motion, when he would he would motion and end up on the other side of the ball and stay with his feet parallel, uh, he was run blocking. When he would motion the other side of the ball and then pop his feet and go staggered, he was going to run a route. But he wouldn't run a route from parallel, and he wouldn't block from staggered. So he didn't know he was doing it, and he was the move, move guy throughout the game. And we kept calling it out play after play after play. We'd come over to the sideline, and it was like, a, you know, just like, 
you know, laugh, laugh factory. Like we're like, Oh dude, I can't believe he's still doing this. And we're yelling out, run on the field, run pass, like every single time. And they had no idea. And it was, he was, he was tipping, but I'm just curious. Some sort of the point of it is if you're reading this column, there's actually good information there. It's interesting to fans to remind them that, Hey, this stuff's going on, but Denver ain't unique to this. Good Lord. No, this has been going on from the beginning of time. Uh, I'm curious in your, in sort of your experience, <laughs> your experience. And it gets to varying degrees. I get that, but any kind of, tips from position coaches uh any kind of way this was shared amongst your other linebacker teammates or from other guys on the other side of the ball like maybe an offensive lineman or something do you did you get that kind of stuff in any of the places you were of course i mean this is uh and from my experience too again i can't speak for every player but this monday morning quarterbacks article when they say oh they're doing this crazy revolutionary way of scouting teams it's almost like saying oh did you know the sky really isn't blue you know, it's like, okay, yeah, we all know it's a reflection of the ocean, all that kind of stuff. Okay, whatever. And and that's how I'm looking at this right now. It's, it's the same thing. And, yeah, I mean, when I was with every team, the Packers that I played with, the Packers, the Rams, the Cowboys, we had that guy or that, you know, person on the scouting staff that would come down and give us notes or whatever. And, and uh, yeah, with the, with the Dallas Cowboys, you know, with Rex Ryan – or Rob Ryan, excuse me, he was a guy from the Patriots. So we had a guy that every week would do the same thing as uh, the Chapman Report, as you would Well, say. shit, that Rob's my coach. Rob was Rob was there yeah, when we yeah. were doing Chatham Reports. <laughs> Rob was the one that would get you – know, remember, back in the day, Rob Ryan was the uh, – the way they did it, he, he was the linebacker's coach, and Pepper was like the – I think they did it like insides was Pepper and outsides was Rob. I think that's how it was when they first got there. And, <laughs> wow. it, but yeah, That'd so we had, a, we, had, right we had a full staff, but no, Rob was there when we did these in the old Patriot stadium, the old Foxborough stadium in yeah. the freaking bowels of that place back in a room with folding chairs and freaking, you know, which was gross, but yeah, he, Rob knows, Rob knows this stuff. Well, it's, it's what we used to do. Yeah. And then now with the, you know, they put that microphone on the guard and you can get a lot of audible calls right. from the TV copies and those things. And I remember one, one in particular, I do remember it wasn't from him. It was back to the Packers. We were playing Philip Rivers back in 2007. And it was the season after they had gone 14 and two with Marty Schottenheimer lost to the Patriots and they fired Marty. And then they re mm. you know, they hired North Turner as their coach. So they come to the Lambeau field and it's, I don't know what Philip was or Philip Rivers was thinking, but man, he would, Every time, like, he would do his whole cadence, but every time he would snap the ball when his head would go forward and he'd literally wait like a half a second. So yeah. as soon as he, he'd be doing all of his cadence, his fake stuff, he'd be moving his head around, the steering going forward. And, like, and so when I would blitz, and I, we had this cool, it was just a simple, like, X blitz. I don't know, you know what you call it. But it was a zone blitz, and we used it as a run blitz because it was off tackle. I mean, I would just fly off the uh, the ta- I'd make my aim point right at the outside short of the tackle, and if he down blocked, you know, I would basically just cut right off of his butt and blow everything up, you know, try to right. take as many guys out as possible. If he passed blocks, I'd cut under him. And uh, if he tried to pull, I'd just fall him out. But anyway, and so, I mean, that blitz was – we ran that blitz, I don't know how many times. That would be 10, 15 times during the game, and they just couldn't figure it out. And the only reason why it worked is because we figured out every – and he didn't change his whole game, by the way. He would literally just go <laughs> – frozen and then snap the ball and i was like as soon as right. he'd be like ah blue 14 hide out hide. he'd be looking around all of a sudden he'd go frozen I'm like oh the ball snapped and i just start running right and it would hold up every single time and it was at first it was hard you know it's like here we go please snap the ball and he you know what i'm saying like <laughs> right. hope the ball snapped and i'm off but i mean that's how like crazy it was that that one read but yeah this is commonplace it happens all the time maybe it's not very you know popular to talk about outside of the walls of the 
confines of your own team. Maybe that's why in the media end of things they're just finally getting word of this. But, yeah, I mean, in my, in my world of playing in the NFL or in college, heck, even high school, like, what can you get from your opponent that's going to tell you the story before the play? That's Absolutely. what you're always looking for. Absolutely. And I know you got a bail now, bud, but uh, yeah, have a great that. week, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you again. See you, man. All right, buddy. Thanks, Matt. Since Brady had to go, I wanted to sort of wrap that final point up on this stuff from the MMQB uh, column. Just the reason I think this is important, the reason I wanted to chat about it with him is is information flow, right, people? We understand this. You, Especially if you're a New England fan or, or maybe a New Orleans fan or any of the other fans of places that have been persecuted by this league in the past. Perception and reality, they're two entirely different things in our game, and I think reckless headlines, not no, not so much the column. I think the column has a lot of good information out there and, and spells its case out that it's it's pretty mixed. It's not some surprise thing. But I think headlines like that uh, are dangerous. I think they're reckless, and I think it's it's clickbait, and uh, it's not much different in my mind, I guess, than the, the Brady stuff from uh, earlier in this same week where – his refusal to speak out on domestic violence, which was a lie for a headline because the real headline should have been he had previously in that same set of comments spoken out on domestic violence. And the part that he decided to not speak upon was what the actual penalty should be. <laughs> so he speaks out against domestic violence, makes some very pointed comments about that. And then they ask him to weigh in on what Roger Goodell should do. And he says no pass. But then the headlines as if he's not speaking out. Right. It's just it's just really misleading it's it's dirtball stuff uh this isn't quite that but i think this is the kind of headline that if you are a lay uh, fan of the game and you just happen to run by this and say secret blah 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 you know you're going to be led down the line of of the old uh, spygate stuff which was uh, infamously named stupidly named in my view because there's no spying as you mentioned a hundred times there's eighty thousand people there so dangerous headlines matter because this sort of idea of Furthering this idea of people living on the edge and people not breaking rules but climbing over the the wall and peering and and just living on the edge of rule breaking like that that's nonsense it's you either break it or you're not this has nothing to do with legality or rules or anything like that it's just that was to try to get you to click on it but the content's good so I think it's important uh, the Brady and I got to have that conversation kind of let you guys know that you know for years and years and years this has been like a known thing like there's there's spreadsheet stuff and statistics and sometimes those can actually be weaker uh, than a lot of this micro information this that what a player is tipping you is going to happen and and i've used this example in the past where hey we talk about you know statistics over the course of the last nine seasons of uh goal line situations say that in such and such you know you should go for it this many times and why is this stupid coach not going for it well because you have better micro information often that that makes those historicals irrelevant like personnel groups that are available to you issues they have on their side of the ball one of these tips these small things down on the ground that i'm mentioning that could tell you what is or isn't about to happen in a play that would check you out of it and say hey don't do that you know who cares about what the history is it's what's right in front of you right now so it's what's on the tip of your nose and those are the things that matter so it's a blend uh you know stats and and, and doing analytics is good but it needs maybe smart material and one of the best ways to get smart material is actually just to do hardcore dirt digging study on on personnel ten, or excuse me the person himself uh, the player tendencies the the tips and tells those are those are very very reliable and can often be often be much much more uh helpful than some sort of percent of 
percent action that you're supposed to take. So hope uh, fans got a little more clarity on that particular issue. Uh, nothing unusual about that at all, and a little surprising that some of those Denver players aren't aware. <laughs> so you've been living in a bubble, boys. Uh, this is a, a very normal thing in the NFL, and teams have probably been using it against you until you became aware of it. So anyhow, that is all for this week's In the Game podcast. That was Brady Papenga earlier, a longtime NFL linebacker, Packers, Cowboys, and Rams, and for BYU Cougar. Uh, Brady's got actually a couple of really good videos up this week. Uh, make sure you check out the website at footballbyfootball.com. Uh, a couple of really good video breakdowns on there. I've got my own on the Patriots running game recently. Uh, this podcast will be up there as well. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel because in in, uh, in addition to being able to find our stuff on the website, you can just subscribe to the Football by Football YouTube channel as well. And that means each time we upload them, they'll come to you directly. You can also subscribe to this uh, podcast directly on iTunes. That's always helpful as well. But uh, Brady Quinn, Brady Penga, myself, and uh, from time to time, Rocky Boyman, we love to put stuff out for you guys and keep grinding on through the season. So hopefully today's show was interesting. Share it. Uh, enjoy it. Look forward to talking at you next week. Take care. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football podcast. Football insight by football players. Hi, Lucky. Hi, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned.